0: Amen. Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Sing with me as you're turning. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you. John chapter 12, John chapter 12 this morning. We're going to start in verse 23. We're going to have a word of prayer before we start. I tend to start preaching as I read through the scripture on this passage. And so John chapter 12, if you found your place in verse 23, we're going to go ahead and pray. Our Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for all that we've heard this morning. And Lord, our intent was to lift up your name and to worship you. But Lord, I pray that it also edified the saint. The thoughts of the blood and salvation and an empty tomb, Lord, I I don't know how that couldn't excite us. So Lord, I pray that you would just take those thoughts now and help us to realize that we have a living Savior, a living God, and because of that, we have a living Word. So Lord, as we look into your Word today, we, we know that we are hearing from a living God. So I pray that you speak to our hearts and help us just reinforce some thoughts in our hearts and mind today. And Lord, perhaps there's some that are burdened with the stresses of life and others who are carrying other things around with them. We just pray that you'd help them to find mercy at the foot of the cross today. Lord, is there one that's not saved? Is there one here that's not put their trust in Jesus Christ alone? Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. So I surrender to you and I ask, Lord, that you'd fill me and help me today to preach your word. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 23 with me in John chapter 12. The Bible says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come. The hour is come. From what we know of the cross of Calvary and we know of the Lord Jesus Christ's final days, I would expect something very different than what the Bible says next. It says, the hour is come that the Son of Man might be glorified. I would expect it to say, the hour has come that the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. The Son of Man is to be crucified and His blood shed. And the hour has come that the Son of Man would take upon Himself the sins of the world. The hour has come that I would be forsaken by the Father. The Bible doesn't say that. It says the Son of Man would be glorified. When I think of Calvary, I don't think of glory. That's my fault. That's my failings. When I look at Calvary, I see a brutal torture. I see anguish and pain and suffering. I see cruelty. I see hatred. I see insults hurled at our Savior. Uh, I, I see one of the darkest moments in history. But I fail to see glory. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ said, that's the moment I'll be glorified. That's the moment that the Son of Man will receive much glory. And if we think about it, that statement rings true because today... We have sang about that moment. We've sang about this precious blood. I love that song where it says, where it says, they tried to hide. They tried to hide that blood in a grave, but they couldn't. I like the song that we sang, Up from the Gravy Rose. It says, vainly they watch his bed and vainly they seal the dead. It's all in vain because there's an empty tomb. Jesus rose from the dead. And we we celebrate that today and we sing about that. So looking at the scripture in hindsight, we can say, yes, we glorify Jesus for the cross of Calvary. But as Jesus is looking forward to it, I'm wondering how he could say, my glory is just around the corner. We knew that there was a cup of suffering. Jesus said, I have a, baptism to be baptized of that ye know not of and he was speaking of calvary in other words there's something that i'm going to go through but you can't follow me there thank god we don't have to that he paid the price for us that he took our place but the bible says the hour was come that the son of man should be glorified Verily, verily, I say unto you, in verse 24, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, and die it abideth alone. But if it die it, bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now look at verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. Now. Now. Notice the timing of his trouble. It was now. For 33 years, the Lord Jesus Christ has made his way to Calvary. Calvary. Think about this. 700 years before he was ever born, the prophet Isaiah would say he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. The Lord Jesus Christ knew the scriptures. He knew the prophecies. We're reminded as the Lord Jesus Christ returned from temptation in the desert that he went into a synagogue and the scrolls were handed to him. And he read from that same prophet Isaiah when he said that the the dead are, are received back to life and the blind receive their sight and the lame shall walk again and the captives are set free. And he said, today is this prophecy fulfilled in your years. He knew the scriptures were about him. When he was 12 years old, he said, I must be about my father's business. He knew that his father had a plan for his life, and he knew that it would one day end at Calvary, and he began to warn his disciples that the Son of Man would be betrayed into the hands of sinners, and he would go into Jerusalem, and he would die there on a cross. Jesus knew. And yet he says, now is my soul troubled. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I fret about things that don't even happen. Are you like that? I think about all the scenarios that might play out and take place. And if this happens, and maybe this will happen. And what are we going to find when we get there? And so-and-so has called, and they want to talk to me. And, oh, what do they want to talk about? Is it this, this, or that? And, and, and I worry, and I stress, and I, the Lord Jesus Christ was going to die on a cross, and he didn't even stress about it until now. He said, now is my soul troubled. In other words, I haven't worried about this yesterday. I've not allowed this to deter me in any way. I've not allowed this to dictate my behavior. I've not changed course one iota. But now, i got to be honest with you, my soul is troubled. My soul is troubled. I want you to know it's not just the timing of this trouble, but the temptation of it. The Bible uses the word troubled. The word troubled means to stir up or agitate. How I many of you did did your own, made your own coffee this morning? Anybody make their own coffee? Do we still do that? Raise your hand if you made your own coffee. Wow, well, good for you. It's so easy to drive by Tim Hortons, isn't it? And it doesn't matter which way you go to church, they put a Tim Hortons in between you and the church. I just, it just works that way. I don't know why. When you put your cream in that coffee you stirred it the word stirred up by definition means to be agitated from an external force a coffee didn't stir itself you couldn't stare at it and hope that the cream would just mix naturally with the coffee and the sugar you you took a spoon and you stirred it and you agitated it and it went probably in a clockwise direction and you made that little clinking noise that we all hear so often that's because of an external force When the Lord Jesus Christ said, my soul is troubled, he meant there's an external force that is pressing upon me. It is agitating me. It is troubling me. It is stirring up my soul. I want to suggest to you that that external force was the thoughts of Calvary. For one, if we were Going into a major operation, if we were facing a a battle in our body uh, regarding disease, we would naturally have some apprehension about it. We might even be agitated. We might be bothered by it. We've received calls at the church of of people that are, are strangers to our church and calling and saying, I just can't handle the pressure of COVID anymore and it's driving me crazy. That external force. But I want to suggest also that I believe that that external force that was agitating the Lord, I think it was the devil. How many of you know that the devil likes to kick you while you're down? The devil's thinking that he's about to get a victory. He can see all these things heading towards Calvary. He knows what's in the heart of Judas and he's seen. You say, how does he know what's in the heart of Judas? Because the Bible says now, when Satan hath entered into the heart of Judas. (laughs) He was in the heart of Judas. That's how he knew. He knew what was going on in the high priest's private meetings. He could hear the Pharisees and the Sadducees plotting against him. He knew. He knew. And I believe you begin to torment the Lord. The Bible says this about Jesus, that he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. We often think about the temptation in the desert being the fulfillment of that, but Jesus was only tempted in three ways in the desert. I believe the Bible when it says he was tempted in all points. And so I think the devil attacked him just like he does you and I. He was 100% God but he was also 100% flesh. Which allowed him to experience what we experience and to know what we know and to feel what we feel. And I believe that the attacks of the devil were no different that he attacked the Lord Jesus Christ regularly, but Jesus Christ walked in the spirit of God in such a way that he was able to throw off those attacks. But now he says, "My spirit is troubled." I believe the devil was saying to Jesus, your father doesn't love you. He sent you to this earth to die. And not only did he send you to the earth to die, he sent you to die for a people that has rejected you. A people that doesn't care. A people that will cry out, crucify in the next few days. Oh, the high priest, yes, he's supposed to be the representative of God on earth. He's going to be instrumental in your death. As a matter of fact, you'll spend a night in his basement waiting to die. Caiaphas' house. These Sadducees, these Pharisees, these men of the tribe of Levi that I have appointed, they're plotting against you right now. And I'm sure the Lord Jesus Christ was just troubled and hurting, agitated. But notice what it says next in verse 27. You say, how did Jesus deal with it? He says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Look what he says next. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Number one, he focused on the plan of God. This is why I'm here. This is why i am come to this earth. He says, I, 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 what, what am I supposed to do? Am I going to ask God to save me? No, no. This is the whole reason I came. Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Be done. Years ago, my wife and I were counseling a lady, and she just was so caught up in her troubles, just complaining about different things. And I remember we finally said to her, Listen, why don't you do this? Why don't we give you a list of ladies that you can go and visit and help some senior ladies? And when she got her eyes off her own focus, her own troubles, and put it on what God wanted her to do, it changed her. She wasn't so focused about her problems and her troubles. Listen, you're listening to the devil. He's going to magnify those issues in your life, and he's going to come to you and and, and kick you while you're down and hurt you. That's why I love singing these songs, I Serve a Risen Savior. He's in the world today because I feel like we're kicking the devil in the shins. Up from the grave. I love it when those bass singers get that. Up from the grave he rose. I love that. Because I, I just see the devil running out of this place. That's what, that's what we ought to be doing. But we, we spend so much time listening to him. And it troubles us. And it stirs us up. And it agitates us. We need to focus back on the plan of God. Not only did he focus on the plan of God, he forgot, forgot about his personal gain. Jesus wasn't worried about what was about. He says, he says, listen to this. He says, but for this cause came I into this hour. Father, glorify thy name. I'm not worried about me. If you can receive glory, I'm willing to endure this. I'll take the crown. I'll take the whip. I'll take the suffering. I'll take the shame. But Father, glorify your name. But let me get you to the point of the message. Look what happens next in verse 28. Father, glorify thy name. Look at it next. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it and said that it thundered, others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Jesus said, My soul is troubled. And his father spoke. A voice came from heaven. I want you to notice that, first of all, that this voice came at just the right time. This was probably the start of the Lord's darkest hours. The time where he would spend so much more time alone than he ever had. Locked away in Caiaphas's prison, beaten and battered and hurting. The Bible says the disciples forsook him and fled. They all ran away. Judas would betray him. Peter would deny him. And his heart would break. Those that he came to die for would yell, crucify. And as all those things flashed before his eyes, right before the hour, a voice came from heaven. Now let me ask you this. How many of you here today believe what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12? That was a sneaky way to ask a question, wasn't it? How many of you believe what the Bible says? You gotta believe it, right? But the Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That every battle is a spiritual battle. How many of you believe that the devil likes to kick you while you're down? He likes to discourage. Listen, I'm not saying that he's he's coming and sitting in your living room with a red outfit and pointy ears and a tail and a pitchfork. I'm not talking about that. That's a cartoon depiction. And I'm not saying you hear an audible voice. But how many of you know the devil likes to poke into prod and to discourage you, to tell you that Jesus doesn't love you? When anything bad falls out in your life, you wonder, does Jesus care? Let me ask you this. If we believe the devil has that kind of power, why is it so often we don't believe that God can minister to us and speak to our hearts? You know why? Because we spend so much time listening to the devil, we we miss the Lord's voice. We're so focused on our faults and our failures. And boy, I'm going to tell you, there are many full of sin. I'm a failure. I know it. But I'm also forgiven. I'm a sinner. But I'm saved by grace. The devil tells me I'm worthless. And God tells me I'm a child of the king. We listen so much the devil beating us and kicking us and the problem is we believe it when God says I love you and I set my son to die for you because you're washed in the blood of Christ one day you'll stand worthy before God and you'll watch by the way as the devil is cast into the lake of fire the old accuser of the saints it was a timely word It came at just the right time. It came in just the right way. Jesus didn't have to wonder if his father loved him. It wasn't a matter of what God said to him. It was just the fact that he spoke to him. He just wanted that assurance. God, am I really on the right track? Am I doing your will? And God, by speaking to him, reassured him. In that hour of trouble, that he was still there. You know, we listen so often to the devil's voice. We need to listen for the Lord. How do we listen for the Lord? you got to get in the Word. Get into the Word. For me, a lot of times, the song helps me. We were going through a real dark time several years ago, and the song that that really helped me. And it's funny because it's it's an old, old hymn. that we, we don't sing it a whole lot. Though the angry surges roll O'er my tempest-driven soul I am peaceful for I know Wildly though the winds may blow I have an anchor safe and sure That shall evermore endure and it holds. It holds. My anchor holds. You know the thing about an anchor? You can mess up and it's still there. It's still holding. It doesn't move. It's not affected by the wind and the waves. The anchor is still there. I don't know what your burden is today or what you're carrying with you. But the Lord loves you. Sometimes we go through trials and testings and they're not even about us. Look what the Lord Jesus Christ says here. Verse 30, this voice came not because of me, but for your sake. You needed to know that God still loves me. You needed to know that God still loves you. God has a plan. You say, when did that voice come? Notice the example of Jesus. When Jesus said, I'm troubled because of this hour, but God, I want you to get glory. Glorify your name. If that would be the focus of our lives, Lord, I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to do whatever is needed to be done as long as you receive the glory. Last week I was at a, a fellowship and Brother Rob shared a story about a missionary to Vanuatu. Every missionary that had ever gone to Vanuatu before him had died at the hands of headhunters. And I believe it was him and... How many men went with him, Brother Judge? Was it five or six? Oh, he went alone, okay. There was... Give me his name. Peter Milne. Peter Milne, that's right. Peter Milne. You can look him up. When he packed to go to Vanuatu, he didn't pack suitcases or trunks. he packed a coffin full of his belongings, believing he'd never come back. When he died, they wrote on his tombstone, "When he came, there was no light." When he left, there was no darkness. He said, My life is not my own. I want God to get glory. And when he made that commitment to the Lord, God blessed it. And God took over and converted an island to the Lord. It's not always about you. But God is working something in your life to be a help and a blessing to others. Let me take you back just for that moment and remind you that at just the right time, his father spoke, ministered to his need, comforted his heart. You know, the Holy Spirit isn't called Comforter by accident, right? He has named that for a purpose. You may be carrying a burden today, and would you give God the glory? The Bible says, in everything give thanks. It doesn't say for everything, but in everything we should. I'm not thankful for cancer, but if I had cancer, I hope and I pray that in that moment I can give thanks to God anyway. And when we glorify Him, He speaks. Just as sure as we can listen to those devils of hell, we can listen to our Father who loves us and wants to comfort us. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. If God has booked your heart. This altar's open. Maybe you have a burden you need to lay down. Remember, an altar is a place where things come to die.